Coming up on today's Locked On Senators, we're joined by a very special guest. We've got half an hour with Belleville Sens head coach, David Bell. And he tells us all about our favorite players in Crooker, Igor, Yarventi, and what his goals are for the Belleville Senators next season. And how was learning from Brian Kilray, Dale Howardchuck, and others influential to him deciding to pursue coaching? This is the Locked On Senators podcast. It's your team every day. Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 800 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the outskirts of enemy territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Alongside Brandon Pillar up in the Blue Mountains, please like and subscribe wherever you download your podcasts, including on YouTube, where the road to 1 million views is oh so close. It's in our sights. Let's get to 1 million views on YouTube. Today is Wednesday, May 17th, and Pillsy, we've got a fantastic interview coming up with David Bell. But before we get to that, the Senators' bids are in, and now we wait. And now we wait. We've been waiting, and now we wait. There's been four final bids. A lot of rumors going around about how those bids were uh, received, and maybe some close to a billion, some not, some with some intrigue about whether they're going to be able to back up what they're uh, putting on the table. But I, I just hope this gets settled soon, Ross. You and I are not business journalists, that's for sure. So uh, we leave all that to our good friends, Bruce Garriock and Ian Mendez. So we're following along just like you guys. Yeah, they've been on the beat for almost 200 days, it feels like, since the Senators were officially announced for sale. So when anything breaks... We will have that broken down for you. We already have Ian Mendez in conversation. We're going to get him on the show hopefully next week. We're working on a time with Mark Mathot. He's covering the OHL championship right now, so we'll see if we can make the timing work. They're traveling on Friday, so that's a little behind the scenes. But I can tell you, watching the WHL final last night, it's great that this junior hockey is on TSN because it's really good hockey. I turn on the TV last night, Bilzi, and Carson Latimer was in the process of scoring. So... That was great to see, and then they allowed three goals in 45 seconds, which has to be close to a record for three fastest goals. Yeah, especially in the WHL uh, final. That's wild. And uh, Zach Stapchuk got in the mix too, so you love seeing the the Winnipeg Sens doing well. Pilsy, I was at the game, the Senators' third fastest three goals in a single game. The Phillips retirement game. Yes, it was. The Chris Phillips retirement game. Vlad Nemestikov scores. Ooh. Then Artem Anisimov scores. Then Drake <laughs> Batherson scores as well. You know what, though? We were also at the game for the second fastest three goals. You and I were in line to get a beer when the Senators played Montreal. We missed Parker Kelly, then Josh Norris, then yes. Mark Kastelik score in that 6-4 win over Montreal. So three goals in under, um, or sorry, just over a minute. And the fastest three goals in Sens history was in 2007. Get this, it was a 3-1 win for Ottawa over the Rangers, and all three goals 
came in 52 seconds. Nice. That's how you get it done. Bang, bang, bang. Danny Heatley, Chris Phillips, and Patrick Eves, the goal scorers in that game. Okay, that's a little fun look back. And you know what? Let's see Winnipeg get back on the winning ways tonight. Hey, funny enough, they lose. I believe the score was 6-3 at the end. Might have been 6-4. Um, 6-3. 6-3. Okay, well, Lats had a goal and Zach Ostapchuk had a goal as well in that game. So Sens prospects doing well in the WHL final. All right, we've got a player who's played basically everywhere in the world on today's show. And with David Bell, this was an eye-opening interview for me, Pilsy. You see him so serious in these interviews after games and all of that. But he was relaxed. He was having fun. He's telling us he's interviewing assistant coaches to replace his old spot on the bench. This is a fantastic interview. Top 10 easily in our show history, I thought. Yep, I would agree. I think anytime we get a chance to talk with a coach, it's so intriguing, especially Ross, a coach that we don't really know that well. Sure, he's been in Belleville since 2019, uh, but he's an assistant coach. You don't hear from him that often. So I think it's it's just incredible to be able to kind of have us learn about him and to be able to introduce him to Sens fans as well. And uh, yeah, I think everyone's going to love it. I like how I I allowed myself to tee him up to just chirp us for our our (laughs) poor work um, in in, uh, Belleville. So I think a lot of laughs. And I think that the... We basically did a little public makeover because I think people just saw yep, these agreed. little clips. But then we talked to Igor, we talked to Angus, and they're like, no, Belzy is the guy. We talked to Footy. Everybody loves this guy. And we're like, why so serious? But man, <laughs> he was he was in a conversational mood. He's already gar- he's coming back on the show. Like this is we said this with Troy Man. We will say. Said this with Troy Man. Yes. But with with David Bell, I think that this is gonna be a recurring guest and a guy who's on ice career, I think if you don't know the the story of David Bell, this guy didn't just poof appear to be the the head coach of the Belleville Senators. It's a long journey with lots of dips and doodles in between. So, what do you say we get to it? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, I think everyone's going to love this, and hopefully, we'll see David Bell again when we go to Dev Camp in the summer. Oh, we're ready to announce that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yes, we just did Dev Camp trip the Locked On Senators boys coming up. But coming up on today's show, we've got David Bell. That's next here on Locked On Senators. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at eBay Motors. Ross, I'm going to need to make sure my car is in tip-top shape so that I can make it all the way to Ottawa for Dev Camp. And if I need a part, I know exactly where I'm going. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. Well, it's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits just right. This is key the first time around. No fiddling around with parts that don't fit. Just add your ride to My Garage and look for the green check so you know your part will fit or you get your money back. It's simple because confidence is the name of the game. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when all the right parts are guaranteed. So get the right parts, get the right fit, and get the right prices at ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Head to eBay Motors right now. Today's episode is also brought to you by Shawarma Palace. I don't even use the ad read for Shawarma Palace anymore because I know everything about Shawarma Palace. I know that they've got 
damn it, we didn't change the nine. It's seven great locations <laughs> in Ottawa to choose from. And at Shawarma Palace, you know you're going to be full when you're done eating at Shawarma Palace. You know that you're going to have fresh ingredients in your system and give you the energy to go about your day. And it's all for a reasonable price as well. So when you look at Shawarma Palace, I'm talking the Rideau Street location, my personal favorite. The nostalgia hits so hard when I walk into that location, but they also have so many more. And you can tell just by how much they're expanding. They don't want to keep all their money that they're making for themselves. They want to put it back into their business so that you are never too far away from a Shawarma Palace. So head to the closest one near you. Go to their Instagram, Shawarma Palace. Ottawa to find out which one is closest to you, whether it's Bank and Hunt Club, whether it's in near baseball town like downtown core, Gladstone, Bank, that area. They've got one in Orleans. You're really never too far away, but you can also order Shawarma Palace online. So go get the platter today. Ask for the extra garlic sauce. The Levy special is the extra garlic sauce on the chicken platter. Do it for me. I'm coming to Ottawa soon. I'm so excited to go to Shawarma Palace. Always my first stop. Now go eat like a royal. Go eat at Shawarma Palace right now, any of their seven locations, make sure you let them know when you go there that Locked On Senators sent you. Sorry, my mouth is watering when I talk about my good friends at Shawarma Palace. All right, let's get to today's interview with the head coach of the Belleville Senators. Here is David Bell. All right, we now welcome a very special guest, a Wyerton, Ontario native. This former Ottawa 67 played seven pro seasons before swapping out his skates for a suit, immediately jumping behind the bench in 2004 and never looking back. This season, he finally got an opportunity to lead a professional team and earn the right to be named the third head coach in Belleville Sens history. David Bell, welcome to Locked On Senators. Thanks for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm doing excellent, man. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. Oh, we're fired up to have you. First things first, I mean, an ice hockey coach in the summer, what's a day in the life look like these days? Well, today it's uh, it's interviews uh, for the assistant coaching position, but it's uh, try to catch up on the family time, try to reintroduce myself to my wife and uh, get some sleep habits back to normal. Yeah, that's uh, definitely a part of the offseason to try to catch up on there. Now, uh, are you a guy that likes to do uh, interviews for, uh, for your staff? Uh, do you have much experience in that or is this kind of a new experience for you? Uh, well, it's the first time uh, I've put together a staff uh, myself because I inherited a staff in Niagara. Uh, actually, I had to hire a guy my second year, and then in, in Quad City, it was a solo ship I ran. So this is uh, a first for me to to build a to build a guy right from the start of the process to the end. So it's 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 neat. So do we know is Ben Sexton coming back next year? Do you know that? Is it more replacing? Yes, what? yes. Ben is Ben is back. Uh, Justin Peters is back. Fred Lemay awesome. is back. Uh, the staff. So it's just uh, basically somebody replacing me uh, from an assistant coaching role. Yeah. Well, while we're at this point, how close was Justin Peters to playing goalie for you last year? You had ten goalies play. Well. I would have loved to have Petey play, but he said we couldn't afford him. So uh, <laughs> he was never really that close when it came down to putting a number on a piece of paper. He probably still could play the fitness level he's at uh, and the mental spot. He's the most competitive guy I've ever met, but uh, I don't think we could have afforded him. So what was that like, just not knowing day in and day out who was going to play goalie for you? It was, uh, let's say, stressful. I started the, the year, I had hair like you. And then uh, when uh, when the goalie situation started, I ended up like this. So, uh, you know what? It was crazy. Uh, stuff you'd read about in a, in a book. Uh, go to games, have no goalies uh, at noon, sitting there eating meals, fielding calls, trying to find goalies. Got goalies from 
you know, the Danbury Thrashers of the Federal League in the yep. show. Uh, we had a goalie from there one night. We had a goalie from a men's league in Quebec. Uh, it was crazy. It was – I'd never seen anything like it. It just – bad luck, bad timing, uh, just a lot of things. But it was it was crazy. Pilsy, you can give him your number after the show. We've got a house league minor <laughs> hockey goalie here if you'd like. Well, you probably – some nights this past season would have been a, a option A. Yeah, well, that's that's not good for anyone involved, let me tell you that. I haven't been doing my stretches. Um, we are a goalie-friendly show. We'll have you know Ross and I both, both played Tendi uh, growing up. Now, are you one of those coaches that – are you involved with the goalies or are you kind of like, those guys are weirdos, I'll just let uh, Justin Peters tell me who, who I got to start tonight or what's kind of your relationship with goaltenders as a coach? Yeah, uh, well, there's two things. You show me a good goalie and I'll show you a good coach. Yep. So they're, they have to be my best friend, but I, I don't understand the position. I just, my, my knowledge of goaltending is keep it on the right side of the goal line. So uh, I, I like to have a relationship and talk to them, but I know that they are weirdos and don't like to yep. talk and all that stuff. So I leave that stuff to, to Justin and Justin does the post game analysis with them and, actually even tells him who's starting and not starting and why so he's unbelievable at that he's really really good and i let him let him run his department all right good goaltending chat to start off i know this is going to be a great interview already but i I, we always like to rewind the clock all the way back i know you're small town ontario kid how did you first fall in love with the game of hockey well probably like every other canadian kid in the backyard my dad making the rinks right so uh Went from my dad building the rinks and my uh, younger brother, older sister out there and the neighborhood kids coming over to play. And then uh, from the small towns, uh, you know, skating down the road to the next to the neighbor's uh, pond or to the cow field that flooded over in the in the fall and, and skate on it. But um, it's funny when I ask people ask me where I played, or, you know, where to play AAA. And I say I played in a D center. And what, what do you mean a D center? They don't even know what they are. But uh uh, the town I played in was a little town called Shallow Lake. And if you came into town from the one end, it said the population was 450. Uh, and if you come in from the other end, it was 400. So I don't know how they did that or and never changed it. But depending on which way you came into town, it was either 400 or 450 people in the town. So, And, and it's funny because um, Little Wee organization like that produced uh, – quite a few NHL and pro players that came out of this little D center shallow lake. It was good. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of good stories from small town, Ontario hockey. That's for sure. Now, uh, when you were playing junior, you were playing with the Ottawa 67s. And at that time they were sharing the civic center with the Ottawa centers, the pro team. Was there a lot of crossover there? Like, did you guys get to bump into those guys a lot? You get to see kind of their practice habits, their, uh, uh, before and after game routines like what what was that like yeah it was good we actually shared the same hallway like where the 67s are now uh both those dual dressing rooms they were both of our dressing rooms so uh we would we would practice like say on a game day we would practice at three o'clock and have to be fluffed out of the uh, the arena before game time but we would always hide and stay in the room and hide around and see the bradshaws and uh Yashin at the time and, and those types of guys and, and got to know them. And then actually uh, my one year, I think it was my second year, uh, there was an NHL lockout and a lot of them ended up skating with us. So uh, we'd go down to the market and uh, 
and those they just want to be around the guys around the room. So we'd end up down the market with Yashin and uh, who else was young on the team at the time? I can't remember, but it was what about, was, what about Hall, Mr. Hollywood, Alexandra Dag? No, he probably went over the over the bridge, and we weren't allowed to yeah. go over. And I always followed the rules, so we didn't. Uh, <laughs> I didn't go over the bridge to Hall, so I had to stay in the market. But uh, no, it was it was awesome. It was good to skate with those guys and um, just watch them and and stay and watch their practices and just be in the hallway watch them prepare for a game. It, it was neat. Well, even between the NHL and OHL team at that time, the most famous person of all was your coach Brian Kilray, one of the most legendary coaches in hockey history. Were there any lessons that you recall and that you still pass on to your players that he taught you? Oh, for sure. I mean, he's he's a legend, Hall of Famer, but all lessons you pass along to the guys, just just uh, just to paraphrase it, probably self-accountability is the biggest thing that he taught me. He didn't sugarcoat anything. He told you and 99% of the time he was right. And it's stuff that you needed to hear as, a, as an athlete trying to get better was the cold, hard truth that sometimes you didn't want to hear. He told it to you. But at the end of the day, if you were a good pro or a good junior at the time, you took that home and you thought about it and dissected it and you decided, yeah, you know what? He's right. I need to do this, that or the other thing. Um, that's a, a huge value that he has that a lot of coaches want to tiptoe around things and make sure you're feeling good. Sometimes you didn't want to hear it. It almost brought you to tears, but. It was, it was right, and it, it made you improve yourself or something about yourself that would make you a better person or a player. 32 seasons behind the bench of the Ottawa 67s. Like that, wow. That's <laughs> un- unbelievable. 32 seasons and probably a, a cigar in his mouth game one and, and in the final game two. Like- it's, it's absolutely crazy. And you know what? Here's a little inside Brian Kilroy's story. Every game day, he would go for a walk, uh, whether it be a, on the road or at home, and he would walk around until he found a penny on Whoa. the ground. Okay. And ask him about this. And I don't know if how long he did it, but he'd find a penny game one. And then game two, there'd be two pennies. So in his pocket, he always had pennies. <laughs> and then, and this is something else he did, in a game, if he didn't need a timeout or the game wasn't going well, Somebody would end up throwing a penny on the ice from the stands. <laughs> hey, you know, call the lines and hey, there's a there's a penny on the ice. There's a penny on the ice just to get that thirty second break to find the penny. But he would always find. So I figure his retirement plan after thirty two, if he found a penny every day and then he invested from whenever the heck he started, yeah, he, he might have a nice little nest egg there. Definitely, especially considering uh, pennies went out of commission a while ago. So then he's probably yeah, maybe, collecting maybe nickels the price and, of copper, and Maybe the price of copper would be further ahead than the pennies. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, is, that, is, is uh, something else he passed on? Is your wife making sandwiches for all the guys now? <laughs> the ham sandwiches. You know what? I tell I tell the guys, like the, the meals these guys get now are ridiculous. Like there there's fish, there's steak, there's chicken, there's this option, there's this option. And I go, guys – what would you do if you walked on the bus and there was a saran wrapped ham sandwich in a paper bag? And I told you that was your meal. But you, uh, I go, guys, that was my meal every every time I got on the road. That's in two uh, cases of Molson Export room temperature. That was our pre and post game meals. And they don't they don't believe me, but it's guys, it's one hundred percent true. Oh, your, yeah. your entire career kind of reads like a, a scene at a slap shot. I mean, from from that story, and, and this is all a great article Ian Mendez did on you in March, but playing down in Miami and then Port Huron where everything kind of collapsed around you. And 
Um, what what are the lessons? And I'm, I'm sorry to kind of sound like a preacher. I keep asking, like, pull out the lessons. But like now that you're in the spot where you are here leading a, kind of this pro group, like how much are you taking from your own experiences as a player kind of moving around and seeing guys like the goalies coming up out of nowhere and trying to bring these guys all into one team culture? I think the, the lesson I take from it or the, the value I take from it is to not take anything for granted. Uh, not very often do people, players or coaches, uh, go from point A to point B in a straight line and, and have success. So uh, I've been in some really unique situations. I've been in some tough situations where uh, things haven't worked out for me or things haven't worked out as an organization. So just to be appreciative of where I am, where I got to, and and the grind it's been and and a comparable is is dylan ferguson like everybody yep. oh an overnight success well no he wasn't an overnight success the the man the young man has battled like crazy and and was in some dark spots like in his career not knowing if his career was going anywhere and had the perseverance and the work ethic to keep going got his opportunity and, and ran with it and then was a great story in ottawa for a couple of weeks there so for me now i've got this opportunity and, and I appreciate that you guys have looked back on, on my history that, you know, it's not been, oh, I'm just going to decide to coach today and tomorrow I'm the coach of the Belleville Senators. It's, it's, it's been a grind, and I'm very appreciative of the grind. And so knowing full well how hard it's been, the, the effort and the work I'm going to put into it. Even just from when you started coaching, 2004, and funny enough, one of your your first star players was a former now Ottawa Senator and Bobby Ryan, uh, yeah. the year is draft year too, but – how has the style of how you have to treat the young kids in, in whether it's the OHL? I mean, you're, you've got a really young team here, even for AHL standards as well. Is it a lot different of how you have to treat the players from when? Uh, yeah, for, for sure it is. For sure it is. Uh, just everything's different. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm old now, but not that old. But my first year coaching, um, we still had VCRs. Uh, to, nice. to do the dual tape to, to, to cut the game. Now it's it's crazy technology for that. But um, the way – I mean, you always have to treat somebody, people with the human element and humanity, but uh, uh, the screaming and the yelling and the dictatorship is not there anymore. And I know if you talk to Bob or have Bob on the show, Mike Stuthers was a great coach and a great person, but uh, I don't know if uh, the approach – probably would work now that we did there and i know there was a time i had to ride the bike with bobby with our our legs strapped together so he would push the pedals uh, at the pace i was pushing the mat because we felt maybe he needed to lose a couple pounds and wasn't quite working hard enough so i don't know if that would fly in 2023 might get a call from somebody but uh i mean it worked out for bob so it's all good Hope you're enjoying our chat with Belleville Sense head coach David Bell. We'll get right back to it. But first, we have a new sponsor alert. This new sponsor just sent us a care package. I'm going to unbox it live while we tell you about our newest sponsor. It's Bird Dogs. Yeah, Bird Dogs, our newest sponsor, and Ross, just in time for summer. I'm so excited to see what you have in that box. Careful with that knife there, opening that up. But when I think of Bird Dogs, Ross, three things come to mind. Fit, I want to look and feel better, and you can do that with Bird Dogs. Comfort, their stretchy fabric makes my legs look great, and they're comfier than any other shorts and pants I've had. And 
Look at the different colors you've got there on Ross's box and versatility. That's what it's about. You have the freedom to wear one pair on the golf course to a meeting, a date, or just hanging out with friends. And Ross is unveiling the gray shorts there. Those look awesome. And Ross and I aren't the only ones that love bird dogs. Bert Kreischer, have you heard of him, the comedian? He wakes up at his lake house and he loves wearing the bird dogs. Dave Portnoy does pizza reviews wearing bird dogs. And sure, he may hate the pizzas, but he loves the shorts he has. And the part of my take, guys, PFT, famously, he doesn't wear pants. He only wears shorts and he loves bird dog shorts. So, so do Ross and I. Check out the awesome shorts Ross got. I can't wait for my package to come in so I can try them out. But if you want to try them out, Go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnNHL and you can enter promo code LockedOnNHL and they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler with every order. So once again, guys, check out Bird Dogs for the best shorts and pants for this summer. And if you use our promo code LockedOnNHL, you're going to get a free tumbler with every order. It's Bird Dogs. I'm so excited about Bird Dogs. Go get them right now. Bird Dogs, Bird Dogs, Bird Dogs. Now back to our interview with Belleville Sens head coach. Here's David Bell. So you had a wild uh, professional playing career. When did you know that you wanted to get into coaching? Like it seems like from kind of an early age, especially from Ian Mendes' article, that you always kind of had leadership qualities to your game as a player and that uh, transitioned to you a coach. But was there kind of like one moment where you're like, okay, this is what I want to do? Or how did that transition happen? Um, looking back and talking to people like that say, oh, I always knew you were going to be a coach. I guess, like you said in the article, like there was hindsight of, of running practices and junior and running practices when I was a pro, uh, for whatever reasons. But, um, that, that last year I was actually still going to go back and play. I, I, I hurt my neck and I wasn't sure if I was going to play. So I'd spent, uh, a lot of time in Owen Sound, uh, with the OHL team, the attack and, I really enjoyed working with those guys and, and, you know, I, I was preparing to go back and play, but I started to wean towards, okay, I should do this for myself uh, to get ready to go play. But I find myself over here helping a young 16 year old defenseman do something. And I'm like, you know what? I, I really like this. And I think Mike recognized that and saw that and actually offered me a job before I left to go play another season. So uh, it didn't, it wasn't, it was probably a 30 minute drive to my home from the Owen Sound Arena. And that's about as long as it took me to decide, you know what, I'm not going to play anymore. I'm going to go coach. And like you said, it's 20 years later. And you've gotten a, a few really good mentors along the way, just from looking at, at the teams that you were on where you're an assistant coach, for example. I mean, Dale Howarchuk kind of stands out. Obviously, I'm in Winnipeg. He's a legend here. Like, what was something that you took from him? Um, you know what? I took a couple of things from, uh, first of all, unbelievable person, unbelievably humbled person for his resume and being a hall of famer. Um, but a, a coaching thing, and it's not a negative thing towards Dale because Dale is, is it was an, an unbelievable person. But what I found from Dale is how people see the game differently at their different hockey IQs where Dale would get frustrated in the coach's room. Um, how, how could that player not see that play? And I, you'd have to say, well, Dale, we don't see the game. You're you're a top ten all time scorer in the Hall of Fame for a reason because you see the game. Like you need to tell that guy ten times where to go, and he's still going to be late getting there and go to the wrong spot where you went there. And so from Dale, I, I learned how different 
you have to approach players differently and how they see and read the game differently because he saw it at such, such an elite level. And I saw it at whatever level I saw it at. There's just that you have to understand and read where a guy sees the game and thinks the game to coach him accordingly. And I think that was one of the biggest takeaways I took from Dale. I took a lot of stuff from Dale. Um, just compete for pucks. And one of his favorite sayings was being a hungry hockey player. I still use it all the time that he was a hungry hockey player and just on loose pucks. And uh, I learned a lot from Dale. Who would be Dale Howarchuk's favorite current member of the Belleville Senators based on how he liked players? Oh, I would say there would be a hybrid. Angus Crooksank's a hungry hockey player. Igor Sokolov. Uh, plays with passion and loves to score. And Dale obviously loved to score. And like I already alluded to, the hungry hockey player. So it would probably be a combination of those two guys. Our two, our two favorite guys, they've both been on the show multiple yeah. times. Just, uh, you know, salt of the earth individuals who, who seem that they're going to work hard. Now, you had a quote on Angus in particular where I think you wanted to, him to put his nose to the grindstone a little more. I mean, that dash was kind of – I mean, it's it's there, but it's obviously a team stat. But you said – this guy needs to understand that to be at the next level, he's going to have to be a gritty kind of bottom six. What did you see change, whether it was kind of around that time or just throughout the season where he's grown into, obviously the numbers stood out for a full rookie season coming off missing a year. Like where did you see the biggest growth in Angus's game this year? It, it was at that. I mean, the number got away from him a little bit there. And like you said, our team wasn't having much success and you can't, when you're losing by – big margins somebody's going to get dashes and multiple guys are going to get dashes but uh ben sexton and him they had a you know a little sit down at probably christmas and you know reset them like let's reset yet zero and let's be more conscious and you know everybody instinctively wants to put numbers up and they think that's what's going to get them called up but at the end of the day i don't think and as good as angus is and he had an unbelievable year and a great year He's not going to go up and replace Josh Norris or Drake Batherson on the top line or even the second line. I don't think he's taken Stutzel or Pinto or however the heck their lines play out anytime soon, right? He needs to recognize how he's going to get there. It's going to start on the bottom, and wherever he goes from there, he can climb. But you have to start there, and to start there, you have to be good defensively because that is your responsibility when you get to the National Hockey League and you play in the bottom six is to be defensively safe and that was just the conversation we had and I think he took it to heart and between him and Ben uh doing video and resetting that number at zero I don't want to say the number but I think by the season's end when they had the reset he was a plus plus seven or eight player which is awesome so I don't even know what his number was that he ended at we're not looking at that it's he improved and reset and redid his game and became a plus player for the last 35 games of the year so that's good on him now, you look at the two of those guys, kind of different approaches pregame. Igor's having fun, you know, having all the handshakes, having fun, whereas Angus is just dialed in. Is there a point with Angus where you're like, hey, like, to play your best, like, you got to relax, or do you let him get all tightly wound knowing that that's how he thinks he can play the best? That's – everybody's got an individual uh, identity. Angus is as wound as tight as they come, 
and it's awesome. And you can you can poke at him, and he can get white round up. And I, I love doing it. We play him three on three when he was injured, and that was part of his downfall and losing to the coaches every time. If you ever listen <laughs> to this, he knows that is a true stat that he lost <laughs> to every time because you could get him so wound up and almost distracted. But that's that's his that's his mo. That's his motor, and that gets him going. Now he's a guy. Again, he's so serious. And again, going back to like a, a Ferguson or myself, like the injury he had uh, and the the length of the rehab that he had, I don't know if I could count on my hand how many guys could do the rehab he did for that length. Yeah, yeah rehab for a week, rehab for a month, rehab for six months. Yeah, okay, it's hard, but I'll do it. This guy rehab for a year. And every day he wanted to push the envelope more. He, The trainers would be mad at him, the coaches that were skating, because he always pushed. And, and it didn't last a week. It, it lasted the entire year. So to have the success that he had is not surprising because to see his drive and his just his will to come back from that injury – and a year of it, like a year is a long time, guys, to know you have zero chance of putting on the jersey. Zero. Come to the rink every day, do the crappy by yourself rehab and alone on the ice. It's a long time. And he did it every day. And and so the success he had this year was not, not surprising when you were behind the curtain and saw how hard he worked. Yeah, you can definitely see the passion with Cooker for sure. And you mentioned the passion with uh, one of our guys, Igor Sokolov, a uh, friend of the show. And you, you said, look, putting up points isn't necessarily the be-all, end-all if you're going to get called up to the NHL or not. Now, Igor's had a lot of success in Belleville, and he finally got uh, a good chance in at the end of the NHL uh, season this year. But in your opinion, what is it that Igor kind of, what are the final touches he needs to do to have a good shot at making an NHL roster come training camp? Well, I don't uh, make those decisions up there, so it's not my opinion and doesn't hold a whole lot of value. But I think if you talk to Igor, uh, everybody wants him to get a little bit faster, uh, a little bit more quicker. I mean, he's a big man, but if he can get to spots and get on the forecheck a little bit quicker and and get some separation speed, I think that would that would help Igor and and just uh, just to be consistent. I mean, he's a streaky goal scorer that he scores in bunches. And um, again, you could say you can name any guy on the roster. You got to know how to play defense and be tighter defensively. But I think the biggest thing for him is to to be a little bit quicker. Yeah, and, and another prospect we're really interested in and Sens fans have high hopes for is Roby Yarventi. And he kind of had an up and down season with injuries and uh, it was tough for him to find consistency. But near the end of the year there, we noticed he was playing a lot of his time at center ice, which was kind of surprising for us. I always pictured him as a winger, but he had success there. What was the kind of thinking behind moving him from the wing to center? Well, there was two things. There was out of necessity with our injuries and call-ups to uh, Ottawa, which I think at one point Ridley Gregg, Chartier, and, you know, Kaslik, all these guys being up, we didn't have a lot of centers. But um, we always were tinkering around with it because he's such a skilled guy, and when he has the puck on his stick, he, he's super dangerous. So, obviously, centermen typically have the puck on their stick more than the wingers. So, and Robbie sometimes would get disinterested if, if he didn't have the puck. So how, you know, it solves two problems. It gets him the puck more often and keeps him engaged in the game. And, and, and he did well at it. And again, to a guy's credit, 
you know, he'd never played center and to get the puck carried through the uh, neutral zone is one thing, but the, the finer points of where he goes in the D zone or how he takes a face off, uh, he was willing to work at that. And uh, I think, you know, he put into it a lot of effort to get better at it again, did a lot of video with Ben and he ran with it and had some real good success with it. And it just, it's hard to imagine now that three years into his AHL career that he's still only 20 years old right he came over and he's the youngest player for a couple of years did that get frustrating do you think for him maybe not being able to do the same things he was doing over uh, overseas early on well I think it, it does for every player when they they come into a higher level and, and they they have to they're not the best player on the ice anymore uh, on the whole ice surface and and it's an adjustment and 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 I think fans and people forget that he was 18 years old. Like I know if I was 18 years old and I had to go to another country uh, away from my parents and speak a foreign language. And I mean, that's, that's tricky. You got a lot of stuff on your, on your, in your bag and you're trying to carry around. So um, he, he's done a great job, but I think he, he was frustrated because goal scorers want to score. And if they're not scoring, um, you know, they feel like they're letting the team down and then their confidence goes. And when your confidence goes, your whole game goes. So uh, he's, he's in a good spot mentally right now. And I hope he has a big summer and he pushes for a spot. Yeah, I think uh, Roby Arventi is a guy we're all excited about. Now, final question for me, Dave, and thanks so much for joining us. This has been awesome to get uh, your insight. We always love interviewing the coaches. Uh, they got good stories from their playing days and good insight as well. I think in the summer is key too, Pilsy. Because he's not worried about all line combinations and the four check and that. It's nice. It's nice. Like we're on the golf course, Bells. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We can do the next one on the golf course. I'll just take it and we'll do it on the you can see you can see my golf game. There we go. To the good time. Yeah, let's do that. Um, but for now, final question for me is: What are what are your goals with this team next season? Now, I'm not expecting you to have a bold bold, big statements, but just for, for you personally, what, what are the things you're focusing on um, having this team achieve or improve on next season with your first full season as head coach here? No, that's a fair question. Um, first thing is, is I think you got to look at where Ottawa is and uh, different phases of where teams are. I think one of the biggest jobs we have to do is whoever we end up with down here, um, we have to get those guys identified to be ready to get called up uh, and be contributors in Ottawa because obviously Ottawa's, you know, looking to take that step and, and, and win. So I don't think guys are going to get uh, charity call-ups anymore just to get a game. They're, they're going to get called up to, to be a factor in winning a hockey game, an important hockey game, whether it's November, January, March. Uh, I think to get these guys ready to – whether it's a guy that has a deficiency in the NHL to work on it down here and, and, and get rid of that so that when he gets called back up again, uh, that he is ready to be a contributor at the NHL level. And I think if we do those things here, and this is my belief that winning is a byproduct of that. Um, so obviously we want to win, win more games than we have here. And it's just the winning culture. Like don't accept losing. Uh, they're not accepting losing up top anymore. We're not going to accept losing here. Uh, but as far as records and and uh, wins and losses, uh, I, I think that takes care of itself. If we if we're pushing these guys to get better and closer to being NHL players, then we're going to be a better team. 
I love that answer, Belzy. And it actually goes into to my final question for you. And in the press release, when you were named the third head coach in Belleville Sens history, Pierre Dorian commented on the cohesion between your coaching staff and the National Hockey League coaching staff. How does that work? When you guys want to play the same system, are you in daily contact saying, okay, we're changing our forecheck a little bit. Can you, can you do the same down there? Or is it just kind of game by game or is it week by week? How does that all work? No, there's a little bit of that. And I think uh, that's one of the changes we did make. We got more in line with some of the structure that they do do up there. Uh, you know, just for example, if a player's going up and, and it, it might seem like a small thing, but a small detail of, of a forward coming back into the defensive zone where here we had them going to point A and in Ottawa they go to point B. Well, that that player gets called up and goes to the wrong spot up there and it's a, it's a goal against, you know, the kids sent right back down here. So to give those kids a chance to succeed when they get called up, the, the more cohesion and the more similar our, our systems are, uh, I think it, it works well, benefits the player better. So if they're struggling with a wall work here and we know they're going to be on the wall in Ottawa, well, let's, let's fix that problem here so that when they go up there, they don't have that problem. And it just takes a little bit more think out of the game. So when they go up, there's not – okay, here I'm doing this and this and this, and then they think too much, then they slow down, then they're right back down here because they're not playing with enough pace to be in the National Hockey League. So if we can take a little bit more of the think out of it when they get called up and they can just play with their instincts and their energy, hopefully some guys have more success when they go up. Perfect answer, David. I really appreciate your time. Final, final question, though. Has the video, I know you cut video all the time, it's never been as good as it was in 2019-20, right? The, the camera two angle that you guys get, it's never been better than 2019-20. Are you one of the guys I got to blame for never following the puck and looking at people <laughs> in the stands all the time? Well, that didn't go the way I wanted it. <laughs> yeah, I gotta, I'm still looking for that person when I'm in an intermission and I want to look at a face-off and the camera's looking at some uh, young Say, let's say, young female in the states <laughs> get to go back to the puck what? drop. Can we miss the puck drop? Yeah, you're that guy, are you? Okay. Yeah, well, Rob- was doing the instant replay. He was making sure it was nice and slow motion. Yeah, I had the replays going for you. Don't okay. worry about that. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, yeah. good to know. Good to know. Well, if you're trained by footy, we can't we can't fault you, right? Yeah. Well, we're just going to blame footy. I mean, don't well, we that's all? What I, that's what I do. So, uh, <laughs> Coffee isn't hot enough? Footy, come on, man. Let's go. No, you guys have a great program there. We appreciate your time, and we're going to take you up on that. Whether it's on the golf course, we're going to stop by Belleville. Yep. In, are you going to be in Ottawa Dev Camp? Do you go up for that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll be in Ottawa. Yeah, right. we'll all be there. So the Sounds ball. like we might have to do something over Dev Camp. We'll be in touch. This was I love it. Fantastic. Really appreciate the insight, and we'll do it again soon. All the best, David. Perfect. Thanks, guys. Appreciate the time. All right, Pilsy. Hope everyone enjoyed that chat with David Bell. I mean, what more can you ask for a head coach who's looking to the future, looking to be in the same cohesive mindset as the National Hockey League team? I see big things ahead for David Bell, and we're looking for it already because this guy's got stories for days, Pilsy. We barely scratched the surface on what David Bell's hockey career entails. Yeah, absolutely. He's uh, a very interesting guy, especially when you consider going through all the minor leagues in the 90s and early 2000s. The uh, It was a different world back then, that's for sure. And then having all that lead up to a coaching career, a long coaching career, and we mentioned it. You talk to the players on the team, Igor, Crooker, they all love the guy and uh, they're ready to run through a brick wall for him. And I'm excited to see how Belleville Senator's season goes next year. Pelzi, any final thoughts on today's show? 
Final thoughts for me are it's going to be very interesting. We've got our own uh, ownership situation happening here, but the votes on the Tempe Arena in Phoenix, Arizona did not go well. Uh, they voted down any new type of arena in that area. So, Ross, you may have witnessed one of the last games the Arizona Coyotes play as this is going from 0 to 100 real quick. I thought maybe they'll ride it out in Mullet Arena and try to figure something out again, but how many tries can you have before it's just not going to work? And people are rapidly talking about relocation. you got a couple options. Top three for me, Quebec City, you got to get them a team. I'm all over that. I'd love to, but it's not going to happen. You know they've been averaging 18,000 people for their Quebec Major Junior Hockey League team in the playoffs? Yeah, it's it's insane. So who knows? But then also, if you want to keep it in the West, Salt Lake City would be a great spot. They've got the basketball arena there. And then same with Houston. Houston, one of the biggest markets in North America and oh. no hockey team. So you know what's right behind Houston? Hey, Houston's four. You know who's five? Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, good point. But Utah, I think, is probably the play. They're coming out of nowhere. I think they want an expansion team in Houston. I think that they're going to start from the scratch. The one thing I will say is if they bring a team back to Atlanta, what are we doing here? I mean, with a, the, a third time, third time's a charm, I know, but I I don't see it. Uh, I don't see it. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Final thoughts for me. I just want to give uh, two, two shout outs. One, the Windsor Spitfires are going to do an event this summer for Bob Jones, the Send assistant nice. coach. Awesome. He's been diagnosed with ALS, so that's going to be a fundraiser. We'll talk about that when it comes up, but that was just announced today. So we really do want to make sure that we're you know taking part in whatever way we can to that initiative. And also, congratulations are in order to Thomas Shabbat, who is now engaged. Yep. He posted on his Instagram yesterday, uh, Matt Marion is, uh, is his long-term girlfriend, now fiancé. So congratulations, the Sens family getting a little bit bigger. So just wanted to give some stick taps to Shabby for that. But for today, we say goodbye. Lots of great content coming up tomorrow, later in the week. Hopefully, Meth will join us, if not next week. And we've got some requests out. And we believe, by the way, <laughs> talk about bearing the lead, we believe we'll find out next week sometime when the Senators are sold, who the preferred bidder is for the Ottawa Senders. But for today, we say goodbye. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan, and this has been the Locked On Senators Podcast, your team every day. <laughs>